All right, everybody. Welcome to B.O. Boys. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, I noticed you didn't say the date here because I feel like you were going to be very confused if you attempted to say the date because I'll set up what's happening now. Today is Friday, May 27th. We just saw Top Gun Maverick, but you are listening to this probably on Wednesday, June 1st, which is when we're going to air this because this episode is a spoilerific movie discussion of Top Gun Maverick, which we just saw, myself, Pat, yourself, Clayton, but also a very special guest. Let's all say hello to Aaron Foley-Chan, everyone. Hello, everyone. It's an honor to be here. So, Aaron, you know, a little backstory. You're, of course, a longtime friend, but more importantly, a longtime creative partner of the B.O. Boys. We all worked together on a huge Facebook show called The Great Fantasy Debate a few years ago. You were the head writer of that. We were writers on it. Still available to uh, to, uh, stream on Facebook. It's still there. That's the thing about Facebook is nothing ever goes away. It's there forever. Yeah. So it's it's forever a stain on the internet. And, of course, you're working with – we got some top secret stuff that you're working on with us right now. We also, back in the day, it's been wiped from the internet, but we hosted a pre-The B.O. Boys podcast called How to Watch Movies the Right Way. You were the co-host of that. Of course, you were nicknamed TBD at that point. I was. I'm still waiting for that nickname to come in, but in the meantime. But you do have a Top Gun call sign. I sure do. A randomly generated Top Gun call sign. And what would that be? Axe. Now, we also, if you if you listen to... Danny's show, mm-hmm. I screen, you scream, scream for, for number four movies. Yeah. We talked about what our call signs were. His was Swarm. Yep. Pat, yours was? I'm relieved because I hate flying, so I'm relieved when I when I land. And mine was Nutsoy. Yes. Nothing more needs to be said. Yes. So that is who we are. We all just saw Top Gun Maverick. In IMAX, the way it was meant to be seen, the way the creator himself, Tom Cruise, would want us to see it. See it on the biggest screen possible is what he said. Yeah. And that was the marketing. And you know what? It worked. And this really, truly, uh, you know, no hyperbole is the way to see it. Mm -hmm. The only way to see it. Mm -hmm. So let's go to our guests. Let's be polite. Aaron. What did you think of Top Gun Maverick? What was your expectations going in? How did you prep? And then did Maverick take off for you and stick the landing? My expectations, I would say, were set pretty middle ground. I didn't want to get myself hyped up. Uh, I have fond memories of the first one. I rewatched the first one uh, two days ago, so it would be fresh in my mind. And I'm very glad that I did because there is so much connective tissue between the first one and this one. And I I have to say, I found myself really moved, like really emotionally hit by this movie in a way that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, from the first start of the music in the very beginning and just the, the graphics and everything, there's so much that kind of connects these two movies. But then also on its own, this movie was really fun and exciting and the last the third act was really really fun to watch so i i ended up really enjoying my my trip on the highway to the danger zone yeah i mean i couldn't agree more 
I was overwhelmed at the end Mm -hmm. in a good way, you know, because sometimes being overwhelmed is bad. But this was a situation which I I was uh, uh, verklempt, as they say, as I say. And, and, and I was like welling up and it wasn't even just from like the characters or the story. It was just so much to take in. Like, I think I was overwhelmed from the IMAX. And that is, again, what Tom Cruise wanted. He wanted us to see it that way because that is that is the the, the way it's really going to connect with you emotionally on the big screen. I kept thinking if I was watching this at home, if this had been sold to Amazon a year and a half or two years ago, I would not have had the same feelings. No. Not even close. I agree. So I, I, I loved it. I'm someone who likes Top Gun. It was never one of my guys. It wasn't one of my my faves. I've seen it a few times in my life and always liked it. Maverick blows it away. Yeah. I will say I haven't seen the original Top Gun probably in 20 years. Mm-hmm. I didn't rewatch it. It's, again, not one of my favorites. And I think this movie still resonates even without that. And we're given all the information succinctly enough to understand what the passage of time means to these characters and what their relationships are. Mm -hmm. It's done so effectively. And we're always given exactly what we need to know in order to understand what's happening. With so many blockbusters nowadays, it's confusing. It's like the relationships aren't well drawn, so there's no catharsis at the end. And I just think this was just a masterclass in directing, screenwriting, acting. Like, I mean, I just think it's an old fashioned blockbuster that you don't get anymore. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, think of what the plot of this movie is. I feel like I could do this in like 15 seconds. You have mm-hmm. Tom Cruise Maverick. He's a famous fighter pilot. He gets pulled in for a special mission in which he's got to go back to the Top Gun Academy and teach a bunch of recruits and get them ready for this mission in which the mission is they have to fly into an area that is a dangerous flight and they've got to hit a target with a missile and then they've got to get out without being killed. And and it's a dangerous route and all that. But that is the setup of the movie. Teach these the, these young pilots how to fly in and blow something up and then get out. And the whole movie is him bonding with them and learning how to teach. But what's the wrinkle here with uh, that group of students? One of the students is the son of Goose, who was his best friend from the first Top Gun, who gets killed. So there's a lot of emotional baggage between them. And at the end of the movie, they have to save each other. And then other people on that team have to learn to be heroic and to save them. And then that's it. That is the plot of this movie. And that, what's amazing is that is all you needed. Yeah. And it's exciting in a big part because of how invested we are in these characters. And I think a lot of these blockbusters that we make, that we see today, they're made based on set pieces and they plan the action first and then they fill in the plot afterwards and they end up, you know, rewriting when they're, filming the last few scenes, they're still rewriting to kind of make it all make sense. And this movie feels so straightforward because it's all about these relationships being tested because of this dangerous mission. So it just felt so much more gratifying, I think. And and, and I don't want to pit blockbuster against blockbuster, but I'm going to because we saw a lot of previews. Mm -hmm. And one of the previews we saw was Thor Love and Thunder. Mm -hmm. 
Taika Waititi back. Waititi. Waititi, sorry. Back doing the uh, uh, Thor, I guess. I mean, this is the fourth Thor Thor movie, but it's really the second Thor movie anybody actually cares about. Mm -hmm. And in it, we're going to get the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yay. And there's a scene at the end of this trailer where Chris Pratt's character says, you just got to look into the eyes of the people you love, and that means everything. And... Chris Hemsworth starts staring at Chris Pratt and Chris Pratt says, not me. And it totally sells out any sort of relationship they would have and any sort of bonding we could find there, right? Marvel continuously sells out its characters for cheap jokes. There is a huge laugh in this film during a very, after a very tense set piece that is situational and cathartic Mm -hmm. and bonding and great. And Marvel never does that Mm -hmm. they just are incapable of doing it that sausage doesn't come out that way and i just think that this movie just does such a great job of giving you these cathartic laughs these like edge of your seat moments and these strong relationships that that emotionally get to you Mm -hmm. i'm gonna throw out some things that now we could talk about aspects of the movie let's let's start off small the beach scene in the original Top Gun, of course, there is a historically famous volleyball scene. Famously Everyone, gratuitous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, we say gratuitous now, but I think it maybe in retrospect had it was maybe tuitous. Maybe it was the right exactly amount of right oil amount. <laughs> and pecs. And, you know, we've had Jeff Bach of Exhibitor Relations co on many times. And one thing he's talked about looking forward to with Maverick is the greasiness. Is everyone getting greased up? You know, he wanted all of us to see this together if we're on the same coast to all get greased up and see Maverick. He's been greased for weeks. He's been greased for weeks. He was fully greased at our summer movie preview. He couldn't sit in his chair. He kept slipping (laughs) and sliding. There's a time and place to be greased. And I think that, uh, there we go. Sorry, the lights went off here in the studio. Again, we're we're in in a studio right now. So, you know, bad things happen. But the greasiness in the scene, there was a greased beach football scene. How do we think that played? I think that the the volleyball scene in the original, in the first one, they were just playing volleyball, I think, for, for kicks. I don't know if it drove the plot forward. And in this one, the beach football game does drive the plot forward and does build character. And so it's firing on all cylinders. That uh, honestly, so that scene did give me chills mm-hmm. because you see this team of pilots who there's animosity there, there's not necessarily a lot of trust, and at the end they're all together as a, they are as a team, and it does give you this kind of triumphant feeling, but also this feeling of dread because you're afraid for these people because the mission is so dangerous and it's almost a suicide mission. I mean, and that's why they're trying to get all these guys together. They got Maverick together to like really try and make this not a suicide mission, but it it was looking like that for the longest time. So you're seeing them having fun in their youth playing football, offense and defense at the same time. Mm-hmm. However that works, I don't know how that works and it doesn't matter. You just see a lot of guys with it their shirts great. off. It looks great. Catching Nerf footballs mm-hmm. and uh, it's 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 a great scene. But also, like you said, it propels the plot forward, which is so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, that may be a scene that is also a sneaky pilot for a Tom Cruise funded 
uh, football league. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're seeing there's the XFL and all these alternate football leagues. Maybe Tom Cruise is going to have this offense, defense, nerf, greased up beach football league coming to CBS. You could see Tom Cruise being like, with football, why do they only play one side at a time? It's too slow for it's him. It's too slow. Like it's, and it's, it's not challenging. Like right. You have to be a defensive and offensive at the same time. Right. It's right. A you're not yin. greased up. You're, you're, mm. you're going to slip out. You know, If you're greased up, you're going to slip out of someone's grip. You're, it's going to be so much harder to tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about the man himself who may be owning a football league soon. Tom Cruise. I mean, this guy is the the auteur of Top Gun Maverick. You know, mm-hmm. someone directed it. A bunch of people wrote it. But this this is Tom Cruise's movie. How do we think Tommy did as the as the lead and the auteur? Of well, Top Gun Christopher McQuarrie also was involved, and he is... But he's an appendage of Tom. He's Tom's exactly. guy. He's Tom's yeah. extension at this point. Yeah, which yeah. is great. That is not an insult. No, God, he's a great uh, writer. To, to be Tom Cruise's appendage would, would you know... We be would all be so lucky. We could be so yeah. lucky, yeah. So, but how, the, you know, the main, the from where all the appendages come from is Tom Cruise. And just, let's let's go just on the, the acting, him getting back in the seat. Is, is is he at the top of his game as an actor here? I mean, you're you're nodding, Clayton. I think I think so. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. I think he was great. I think he, you know, having rewatched the original in the in the first one, I say original. It's not a remake. It's it's a continuation. But in the first one, he was 24 years old, mm-hmm. and still at that point, he was very accomplished, but also in the flush of youth. And now he is older than 24, and he, um. You can see that growth. There's, I think, a, there's a lot of depth to his performance, and you know, there are times where he's crying. There are times when he's being cocky, and I think, I, I mean, I think he sells it the whole time. There's a joy to him mm-hmm. that is palpable, and he infuses that in this character. Where here's a guy who loves what he does unabashedly. Mm-hmm. He's great at what he does. Mm-hmm. And never move from that spot of captain because he just always wanted to be a captain. He doesn't need more. He wants to fly. He wants to fly. And to have the world say, sorry, bud, everything ends. You got to hang it up at some point. And then to defy that Mm -hmm. is so powerful because it is a message. It's a message to people. And you look at someone like John Hamm, who is in this movie. And he plays a character. It's a tough character to play because he's a stick in the mud. Yes, yes. But it is kind of also a comment on his career in the sense of like, Tom Cruise ain't moving aside, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's not moving aside for you. Sorry, John. Your time is never going to come. So you think Tom Cruise cast him in this part to put him put John Hamm just, in his place? <laughs> just to I don't know if it was stands. conscious, but it works. It definitely worked for me because when I looked at John Hamm, number one, Tom Cruise looks better than John Hamm does, just physically, face-wise. Uh, but I think that he— you, You've notoriously been anti-Hamm, though. You, 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 you're you, not a big fan of his comedic you know, cameos and no, side but careers. No, but listen, this is nothing against Tom, uh, John Hamm in the sense, but it, it is like— Tom Cruise is a huge star and nobody has come in to take his place. And that's that's the movie industry the way it is, right? But like Tom Cruise now has a movie that's probably going to shatter any record he's ever had and he's nearly 60. 
I mean, Tom Cruise hitting it uh, uh, was a G10 or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that speed that he went over Mach in the 10, beginning. Mach 10. Mach 10. That's what Maverick is doing right now. Yes. Now, again, we're recording this Friday, May 27th. And so we do not know the opening weekend numbers, though we have gotten at this point in the timeline. We have Tuesday through Thursday, sort of Thursday preview numbers, which look fantastic. So at this point, it seems to us that Maverick is going to open way above even the highest of expectations. It's going to open huge. Though, again, at this point in time, we don't know those numbers. But, of course, on this podcast feed, you've already heard us on Monday's episode talk about the exact numbers. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Maverick is shattering Tom Cruise's record. So I'm going to throw this out here because this is something as I was watching it, it really hit me why this movie has a theme and has a thesis that is perfect for the B.O. boys. Because to me, Top Gun Maverick was all about the auteur Tom Cruise reckoning with the battle between theatrical and streaming about the future and the past and reckoning what it means to be a star. And Top Gun Maverick is a movie in which someone from the past kept being told, you're going to be replaced. There's a new way. The technology is coming in here. We don't need you anymore. And all he does is prove them wrong, that you need humans in those cockpits to pull things off. And that the experience is what counts. The old is not going away. And, but also, the other thing that I think this movie is a little bit, I would say push back on maybe John Hamm is not the guy Tom Cruise sees as the other star, but this movie also reckons with Tom Cruise understanding there need to be new stars. The way Maverick is training new pilots, I do think Tom Cruise wants there to be new movie stars that someday will replace him. In his mind, that's probably like 700 years from now, but he does want new pilots, new movie stars to come about. So I'll throw this out here. Top Gun Maverick is a thesis uh, or or is a movie which firmly says, Netflix, you are not the future. Theatrical, which is the past, is never going away. I mean, those those fighter pilots at the end of the movie that were all in black, that we never saw their faces, they might have well have had the Netflix logo on the side of those planes, on the side of those helmets. This was Tom Cruise in the cockpit of AMC, in the cockpit of Regal, shooting down Netflix, shooting down Hulu, shooting down the streamers. He's never going to streaming. He will fly theatrical forever. And and as a B.O. boy, I'm getting emotional saying this. I mean, I totally, I, I totally see that. I totally agree. I do think, I mean, I do think there's some shade on him, but I do think the the biggest thing is what you're saying. I mean, those pilots, like you said, they should have just had that Netflix sting come when they appear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then he just shoots them down. Mm-hmm. And then the thing is, like, in this movie, Miles Teller plays Rooster, who is Goose's son. Mm-hmm. And there is an element of Tom Cruise do like saying that is like, you need to you need to get your shit together so you can yes. be at my level someday. Yes. Not yet, yes. but someday. And it is. He's training a guy who was in that queue for Next Star. Now, 
time has moved a little bit. This movie was supposed to come out a few years ago. We don't know if Miles Teller is that guy anymore. He is doing TV right now. He is. Uh, and on a streamer. Mm-hmm. So and on, he's already letting Tom Cruise down. Yeah. So I mean, Glenn Powell is there, but again, I mean, three years is a long time. But somebody sitting there watching this movie in a theater, because this movie is going to play for 120 days in theaters, as it should, they're going to say, you know what? I know what Tom's saying here, and mm-hmm. I got to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I got to be that guy. And there's going to be a generation who see this movie and know I have to try and be a star like him. And I really hope that these all the young pilots were great in this movie. Yes. And I really want this movie. Now they've all done other things, but I want this movie to be a launch pad, uh, if you will, for these guys' careers to take off. I want them all to be leading actors in their next project. I want to see a Glenn Powell starring feature mm-hmm. in theaters. Now, I know he's done streaming stuff. I. And I hope that he hasn't done anything problematic in his past because I haven't had time to Google him. Uh, but I really, or Jay Ellis, who was hot from Insecure and is doing more stuff. And I want to see these guys like taking on more roles. And um, oh, I'm blanking on the woman's name, Maria. Uh, Mar- I don't remember her name. I'm sorry. Barbaro something. Monica well, Barbaro. Monica Barbaro. She was great too. And I, I um, got it. And she, she was fantastic. I think these guys all were so charismatic. And I would just love to see them rising to the occasion mm-hmm. like Rooster and, you know, coming into their own and recognizing their own power. Right. What about Bob? What about Bob? Bob, listen, Bob's got certain advantages. Yes. <laughs> Bob is a great character. Bob is a character who does rally everyone around him. He's kind of like the guy everyone goofs on, and mm-hmm. then he really pulls it out at that beach football game and yep. becomes kind of a hero and becomes more of like a mascot. And with I, his um, shirt on. Guy with his at shirt the beach on. with his shirt on. The only one with the shirt on. you got to save something for the sequel. But that's such a character thing. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing about this movie it's is so the fact yeah. that Bob wears a shirt at the beach mm-hmm. says so much about Bob. Yep. And you know that was intentional. Yep. The actor wasn't like, I want to wear a shirt. I'm sure he's ripped. Yeah, I'm sure he's ripped. You got to be ripped if you're a guy in Hollywood nowadays. But I'm sure that was... He's wearing a shirt that was in he's the a script. rash guard on the beach. Yeah, when everyone else is oiled up. Exactly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, I mean, th- this this movie was just such a great movie that had such incredible messages underneath. Such a it, because it wasn't hitting you over the head with anti Netflix, but mm-hmm. it was there for you to get it through the enjoyment. And I think the other thing this. Uh, uh, and when I saw those pictures on the wall of like the pilots from the first movie, the first thing I thought is this is Tom Cruise paying tribute to not the specific actors who were in the first movie, but his fellow pilots, which are the movie stars of the eighties and nineties. You know, I kept thinking about Tom Hanks who has, you know, he's got the Elvis movie coming out. So maybe that'll be a huge hit, but he's kind of fallen to streaming, you know, streaming has gotten shot down. Tom, uh, Tom yes. Hanks's plane, and Julia Roberts, who flew higher than almost anyone in, in movie history, she's been shot down. Is it she on Showtime she, now? She, she's on Stars. Oh. She's she is currently uh, uh, starring with Sean Penn in a streaming series on Stars. Oh. Well, she already did Amazon too, right? 
She already the did. Homecoming, she's, yeah. She did. She's on Amazon. And that was a yeah. podcast adaptation. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, you think of these stars. Denzel Washington, who's trying, but he had a day-and-date streamer on HBO last year. Not his fault. Not, not his fault. Not his fault. Not his fault. But they're all up there on he that. He caught astray. On, yeah. They're all up there on that wall with Maverick. And, and Tom Cruise is, he is the last one who is still flying the flag of theatrical only. He's never done a streamer. He's never, I, has he ever even cameoed on a sitcom? There's just, just other than guesting on a late night show, this is a man who has nothing to do with television, nothing to do with streamers. He's never lost faith in theatrical. Never. And you can see... When he was pushing these films back, he pushed Maverick back mm-hmm. and they pushed the Mission Impossible movies back because he always believed theatrical is still going to be here and it's still going to be strong and yep. we need to just make it through this hard time. But he always had faith that theatrical was going to be the most relevant form of entertainment. Yeah. And, I think he and, was right. and the rumor is we got to see a little bit of a teaser of Mission Impossible 7, right? Part one. Uh, Dead Reckoning Dead Part Reckoning one. Part one. Mm-hmm. And the buzz is that a lot of the reasons the movies keep going back and back and back is that he is in talks about the window. Mm-hmm. He wants these to have the 120-day Tom Cruise window, mm-hmm. and Paramount's pushing back on it. And after this, if this the money this movie is making as of now, what we think it could make, mm-hmm. he's going to have so much leverage, yes. right? Because- I don't think the Mission Impossible movie is going to be as big as this, but it's definitely going to be big. And he's going to be riding high off of this film. And he's just going to be able to say, see, we held this. Look what happened. Because Scott Mendelson has said this. Many people have said this. You have said this, Pat, that if this movie would have came out in a busy movie season in 2020, like it was supposed to, then it wouldn't be making Bafa Boba. Mm -hmm. But now it's so special And there's so much anticipation, and it's been marketed expertly. Mm -hmm. This movie is doing massive, massive money. Yeah, yeah. And and it's and it's an old. It's it's one of the only movies that are hits because of the star. You know, every movie. You know, people aren't and nothing against Benedict Cumberbatch, but no one went to see Doctor Strange because Benedict Cumberbatch is the star of this movie. Top Gun Maverick is a hit because it is Tom Cruise is the IP. And next year, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1 comes out. It is Tom Cruise is the IP of that movie. He is the last one other than Leo. We can't say last one because... But you know what? This movie, I would be so curious to be in the in the pee posse, sitting next to Leo if you're at Lucas the theater. Haas. If you're Lucas Haas or, or Toby... Mm-hmm. And or, or or David Blaine, mm-hmm. and you are at the movie theater with Leo watching Top Gun Maverick. I would bet Leo knows this is a little shot fired at him because he did Don't Look Up for a streamer. And God, I never want to say anything against Leo because he is one of the, the all-time great movie stars. He's still a mega draw at the box office. But he did something that Tom Cruise didn't do, which is he caved in. He went to Netflix. He went to the other side. He went to the fighter pilots with the black helmets and no faces. He flew with them. And I do wonder what Leo's reaction to seeing this would be. Maybe he comes out of Top Gun Maverick and he says, 
never again. I will never go to streaming again. Well, uh, uh, the next Scorsese is Apple Plus, and, it, and Scorsese's pushing for a, a window for that, a, sh- a big window for that, but it's not going to be 120. I think Leo needs to put his foot down and say, we're doing 120. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still, the 120 Tom Cruise window is a lot, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, as long as you go to full wide theatrical first, and I would say 45 days, to me, that is, that's a, the Tom Cruise window. I love it. I feel like every Tom Cruise movie made and from now until the end of Tom Cruise's life, which is going to be way past the end of our lives, mm-hmm. should have the Tom Cruise 120 window. And I agree. I, I mean, th- this movie is is just such a uh, it, it's a movie that was made for the Bo Boys, for listeners of the Bo Boys, want to Bo Boys, want to Bo Girls, want to Bo people, people, such as Aaron here for the for the Jeff Box, for the Scott Mendelsons of Forbes, for the Dannys out there of I Screen, You Scream, Four Movies. It was a movie for us because it is a movie that shows you the beauty of theatrical and fighting that good fight against streaming. Yeah, so let's real quick, because we are talking about this movie in a, I don't want to say critical, because we're not critics. We're not, huh? No, no. But in we're a- talking about the content. We're talking about the content. Yes. And so let's let's do rapid fire a few of the, the sure. people we've not mentioned. Jennifer Connelly, what did we think? I think she did a, a spectacular job in a part that very easily could have been an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought she was great. Yeah. I, I, I loved her. I thought their relationship was poignant. We obviously know there was a past there, mm-hmm. and he's trying to make up for his past. Great scene where he jumps out the window and the daughter <sighs> catches him. What great. a great laugh that is. Yep. And character-based. And it's so Mm old-fashioned. It is just to see Tom Cruise jumping out of a window because uh, uh, he he was, you know, after a date with his girlfriend and then there being a joke at the end. It's just like that's old-fashioned movie star scenes. Yeah, I mean, she's great. She's she's one of the all-time greats. And that shot of her at the end standing by the car waiting for him – just looking like they were both straight out in 1984 and mm-hmm. hadn't missed a beat. They looked like they were out of um, like an old issue of like my mom's Vogue from the 80s, like a perfume commercial or something, but it's just mm-hmm. a woman leaning against a Corvette. Yep. That's kind of the feel of it. And it's very like a, a, a musky nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she didn't have a ton of scenes, but I think she did a lot with them and there was – a depth to their relationship, even though they didn't have a ton of screen time together. Well, you know what was great, too, is that a lot of their scenes, we didn't hear their dialogue. Yeah. Right? Like, when he finds out that he's going to be the lead of the mission and actually fly the mission, he goes to talk to her in his dress whites, and she knows something's up. And we don't hear a word he says to her. We only see their mannerisms. Mm -hmm. And that's so powerful. When they... Uh, have uh, make love. Mm-hmm. We see them kiss, and then we see the aftermath of them talking and laughing. But we don't hear everything they're saying. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not for us, but we understand that whatever they're saying is bonding them. It's showing their rapport. It's showing that these two characters care for each other. And that's the thing about this movie is that. It, it knew it's it's skillful enough that it doesn't have to belabor 
a lot of dialogue. It can just show. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to speak and say everything. Now, the military stuff, you do need to explain, like, what's happening and how, oh, the thing's getting built earlier, so we need to do it earlier and faster and all these things. These great monkey wrenches thrown into it. But all that stuff needs to be explained because it's a mission, which is the benefit of this movie, where you can have a character who says, this is what we have to do. This is how fast. Your enemy is time. But mm-hmm. it works. Yeah. Well, the enemy is time because they never say who the actual enemy is. We never know what other nation or what other group it is that's building this uranium facility. We never know who it is that is in those other who who it is in the Netflix jets. And it was the same in the in the first one. They were somewhere over the Indian Ocean is where all the action took place. Um, it was originally going to be Cuba, and then they had to change it at the last second. And in this one, they were just like, it's just the enemy. We're just attacking the enemy, mm-hmm. and we we got to get them. Yeah, because it doesn't matter doesn't in this matter. movie. The the enemy enemies is, are all it, around us. But also, the enemies are all around. I mean, time that's, is the enemy. Time is yes. the enemy. Time is the enemy, and the time is the enemy of all. Yes, except for you. Tom Cruise. Except for Tom Cruise. Well, he blows up time. He blows up time. <laughs> he blows up time. He blows up time. He blows up Netflix. That's why there were two shots that needed to be hit. One was for time. One was for streaming. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. I'll throw one out there. I mean, you you talked about him earlier real quick, John Hamm. Listen, I thought he did a great job. He played a great heavy. I feel like this is going to be it, it is it is a little bit of a as a as a career point, does he then get trapped into playing these sort of wet blanket good-looking wet blankets, but wet blanket heavies because he is obviously he, this is not a hero part. I thought he nailed it, but it is a little bit of a, uh, you know, he's got to have to talk to his agents. I was in a giant hit movie, but I never play the hero. Well, he has a smugness about him. He has a smugness that worked on his television show, and he's never been able to translate his, because I do think people enjoy him and like him, but when he's on a screen, he's not a Paul Rudd who's just likable. He's a guy that you kind of root against in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's he's perfectly cast in this part. He is perfectly cast. Like you want someone who is a little bit detached and a little bit smug. Although yeah. John Hamm has done a lot of comedy and I've heard in his personal life he has a very goofy personality. Mm-hmm. But on screen he is this kind of smug, um, my way or the highway kind of a presence. Mm-hmm. But that's nice because then at the end you get the... I don't like you, but damn it, I respect you mm-hmm. kind of a, a mm-hmm. resolution for him, which feels really gratifying. I feel like John Hamm was a, a good choice for that role. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought he was great, uh, but he's got to figure out, is this where he wants to, this is the lane he wants to fly in for the rest of career. Although he does have Fletch coming, but- That's a streamer. That's a streamer. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it's on Peacock probably. I think it's on Peacock. So it's like- Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, let's see. Any other aspect? Okay, well, let's let's talk about the scene. Val Kilmer, Iceman, he's back in this movie. It's set up that Iceman, sort of the head of Top Gun, making decisions. He's the one who pulls Tom Cruise Maverick in for this big, important mission. And they have one scene together where... So, so in real life, Val Kilmer is sick and could barely talk. That is that is where he's really at. And in this movie, that is where Iceman is at. So it's mostly Tom Cruise talking while Iceman is typing on a computer, his responses 
But then at the end of the scene, Val Kimmer talks, Iceman talks. I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where I don't really have a personal connection, like I said, to the first Top Gun, nor to Val Kilmer, but it worked on me on a level that it really shouldn't have because mm-hmm. they were just yeah. so great. Yeah, and I think you can – he was – they were, like, texting earlier to mm-hmm. show – so that he could have some other, like, interactions with him before the actual scene. And for someone who is aware of Val Kilmer's situation, his own personal battles with, with illness – I was surprised to like see him in the movie and acting and having a scene. I didn't know if he would be like actually in it or not. I know mm-hmm. we we knew his character was was at play, but seeing him and seeing their scene together and having them share a laugh that was really that was really nice. It was really emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Uh, and I mean, I think it's you know, age is tough, and mm-hmm. some people get the luck of the draw, and some people don't. And, and Val Kilmer obviously had a bad draw, and. It's just, it is nice to give him the opportunity to be on screen and say goodbye to this character that has become so iconic. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. feel like if he was only on a text thread with Maverick, it would feel it wouldn't it wouldn't have closed that. It would, there wouldn't have been closure there. And no. I, and I think it was done well. And I think it's a testament again to this movie. That I mean, listen, we were there with an opening night crowd who is going to see an IMAX. So everybody's in the bag for it. Right. I didn't hear anybody laughing, snickering, anything no. like that, which you can get from immature moviegoers. And for a lot of moviegoers who are uncomfortable with that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's done in a way that makes you not want to laugh at it. It makes you – you're already invested in the relationships. You're already invested in this mission – Iceman has been covering Maverick's ass his whole career. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking like, we like him because he's helping our hero. I just thought it was masterfully done. Yeah. And the, the texting was great, but the texting had the payoff of seeing them together. Mm-hmm. Because, listen, I'm going to invoke a, a, a streamer or a TV show. The Sex and the City reboot that was on HBO Max this year and Just Like Us you had the character of Samantha by Kim Cattrall, who is basically the Iceman of that franchise. And throughout the season, they're texting. Samantha and Carrie are texting. And then the season ends, and we never see her. So the texting didn't matter. The texting had no payoff. Top Gun Maverick, texting had a payoff. And that mm-hmm. is, yeah. honestly, in real life, too, if, if texting doesn't lead to a real-life interaction, then honestly, what was the point of the texting in the first place? That's so true. Kim Cattrall will never, she will never consent, I don't think, to sharing the screen with them. Um, So it's nice that Val and Tom, I mean, I don't think they got along in the first movie, Mm -hmm. but over time they have, uh, I think, obviously mended fences. Well, time does that, right? I mean, time is the enemy, but also can be a friend. Yeah, because it can bring people who are so far opposed closer together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe time Tom, is the frenemy. Time is the frenemy. That's so that, true. That that I want that on a mug. Um, so, any other aspects of Top Gun Maverick that? Well, we talked a little bit about Miles Teller. How do we yes. think he did as Rooster? I mean, he's got he had the mustache. He played Great Balls of Fire, which that was the one thing about this movie. He would have been playing like hotline, hotline bling or something. Like I do think he would have played a song that mm-hmm. was more 
appropriate but age they wise. Are, they are all I'm playing mi- is from almost as long ago. <laughs> yeah, as but Great that's Balls of Fire. But, but if they're playing a nostalgic song like Great Balls of Fire was like a 50 song that they were playing in the 80s and the way that culture has gone 10 years ago is as long ago as 30 years ago so you would have hotline hotline bling be the song that he would play on piano but also is that song the last memory he has of his father well i guess that's why it's probably and more did he poignant. know that maverick was there and was trolling him well he didn't know because maverick gets thrown out which is a great scene so as funny. well and then he's watching through the window and sees you know the son who looks so much like the father singing the same song that they sang together and i understand the parallels and how poignant that was but i, I it's funny that great balls of fire is, it is such an old song such a weird song and the fact that p- other people are singing along is everybody singing along pretty outrageous because i don't think that anyone but it makes me feel good about this Elvis movie. Because mm-hmm. if these young people know uh, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, they got to know Elvis. So the characters from the film Top Gun Maverick are going to love watching Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. In the world of Top Gun Maverick, Elvis probably opens to 38 to $45 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. The, just the music of, of that time is what's popular in the Top Gun Maverick universe. I mean, I do think there's something to... Military people probably like that old-fashioned stuff a little bit more than the average person. Maybe they're not allowed to listen to new music. You know, they might come into boot camp and you're just given five CDs from the, you know, or cassettes from the 50s. And they're like, learn this. Here's here's Carl Perkins. Here's... They uh, take away your Zune. Yeah. And they (laughs) give you some CDs. Right. So it's, it's partially very emotional and connects him to the father. It's also partially shows the indoctrination of uh, young military men. Yeah, and I, I and am women. and I am joshing about the hotline bling or whatever. But I, like in a, in a in a larger sense, I do think the nods to the previous film were done tastefully mm-hmm. and not done in a way that was eye rolly or fan fan service in the way we're used to receiving it. Yes, this was not Top Gun via a Stranger Things episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It uh, felt timeless mm-hmm. in a way, too. I mean, there is technology. They are texting and stuff. But it, it does feel like it's not going to lose relevance with time. Yeah. I mean, uh, during this movie, I also kept thinking um, my wife, my wife, mm-hmm. is someone who was inclined to not like this movie or to not want She had no interest. I uh, She did give me a hard time yesterday when I said I was going – with uh, Clayton and Aaron to see, and she goes, where's my ticket? And I said, I didn't think you'd want to go. She kept me on the hook a little bit and then ended it with like, of course, I don't want to see this. I have no interest. (laughs) But during this movie, my first thought was, well, not my first thought. I have many thoughts. It was mostly the Netflix stuff was my first thought. But Mm -hmm. I did have the thought of, she will love this movie. I've got to tell her, I'll go back. You will love it. And I think this is the strength of this movie is it's going to reach audiences that, you wouldn't have expected to reach it. People who are not nostalgic for the first one. People, and I think we could talk a little bit about our boots on the ground reporting, younger people. Yes. I do, I am firmly convinced now having seen it, that younger people are going to get into this movie. And I think they're going to learn something and be better people. I was sitting next to a younger person. Mm-hmm. 
I pegged this gentleman as in his early 20s by the dress and the just general dishevelment mm-hmm. of his appearance. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting at some points forward mm-hmm. in his seat, mm-hmm. elbows on his on his knees, mm-hmm. trying to get closer to an IMAX screen. Now, I don't know if it was general tiredness because of diet and lack of exercise, mm-hmm. but- I feel, I like to think positively that he was so immersed in this film that he couldn't get close enough to it. Edge of his seat. Yeah, he was edge of his seat, right? And I think the- Fully edging. The gentleman- Edgelord. The gentleman Mm -hmm. next to him also who looked like, and I don't want, listen, not to be derogatory, but they look like Marvel fanboys. Mm -hmm. They are the people that I've sat next to at Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. Same thing hunched over, sitting, like staring at the screen. Now, again, could be not good spinal support, mm-hmm. right, from playing video games. Right, right. Because they're probably- Bad ga- Yeah, they got to be gamers. I'm sure they're gamers. They're used mm-hmm. to a gamer chair. They're used to a gamer chair. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, though. They came out to see this movie because it's an event. Yep. And they came out to probably tweet about it, but what they got was an experience. Right. And Put they away will, your phone. And they will advocate for it. Mm-hmm. And then take out your phone at the right They're time. They're going to make some TikToks later. Yeah. I hope they, I mean, I, I did see him do. recording uh, at the very end over credits. He was recording the credits and then panned over to the IMAX sign on the wall. And so to, perhaps going to make a TikTok. To say this is, see it Come in see IMAX. It in IMAX. Yeah. Come see it in IMAX. And people were applauding. It, it was, if you're a youngster, you go to something like this and it and it and, and you say yeah i need to share this i need to tell the other youngsters down at the you know uh arcade bank where we all sit in chairs and we we play video games but in the same room talking to each other i assume youngsters do something like that i have to tell all the other youngsters you got to see this this is a big deal i know spider-man's not in it i know thor's not in it i know joker is not in it uh, I know those are all strikes against us, but this guy, Tom Cruise, is in it. Have you heard of this guy? This guy, this guy? Hey, guys. Hey, fellow youngsters. Have you heard of this guy, Tom Cruise? He's in this new movie, and it slaps. Yeah. The Mission Impossible guy. The Mission Impossible. That's 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 what they'll say. And I'm like, yeah, but he's, he's not Spider-Man. It's like, I'm not going to say he's better than Spider-Man, but this guy, Tom Cruise, he could hang with Spider-Man. Now, do we know, like, we know that Tom did a lot of flying himself in this. Mm -hmm. And it's so seamless. I I mean, even if he didn't do, it's just, like, so immersive. Mm -hmm. Like, you are in the cockpit with him. And the whole cast, they took them all up in the planes. Like, they, all the shots of them in their planes was shot with them in the air. And it made this, their dogfighting and all their maneuvers somehow you could follow it. Mm-hmm. Now, it was hard to follow in a way, but I believe that's also how it is when you're actually in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't your born identity, born supremacy, shaky cam. No, no. This is yeah. like, we're doing this for real, so open your eyes and watch it. And it that's also so refreshing. Right, right. Yeah, this this movie, the, the, the main enemy in this movie was, of course, of course the streamers mm-hmm. and time. But I do think this was also Tom Cruise, not just showing that theatrical movies are the way to go, 
but that practical effect non-superhero movies, those could still work. Star-driven, old-fashioned action movies. He's basically telling the Chris's, take off your capes, mm-hmm. throw down the hammers, get yourself in a real action movie that is theatrical, that has a long window, but you could do it. He's trying to tell these young pilots, these young stars, you can do it. Don't plan. Like like Maverick says, don't plan. Just just don't think. Just do. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't think about these IPs and where they are in the MCU. Just do. Just get in a big action movie. Get it along theatrical window. You could be a star the way I am a star. And Kevin Feige should see this as all Kevin Feige does is plan. His movies are just plans for other movies. Right. Maybe just make a movie with instinct. Right. With heart, with love, not with schematics. Right. Right. I am so excited for Love and Thunder, though. <laughs> it looks good, and I, I and I hope it makes three hundred million dollars domestic. Thing, and it keeps it keeps the theaters healthy. That's the main thing. I don't need to like. That's the thing. That's why this is a this is us talking about our opinions, right? I don't need to like Love and Thunder or Marvel movies in general to root for their success. Of course. Of course. Because with their success, success, <laughs> Rafid, with their success comes lights on for theaters. Yes. And that keeping means- Keeping the popcorn popping. That the popcorn's popping and other movies like Everything, Everywhere, All at Once has a place to live. Right, right, right. And keep the lights on so that next Memorial Day weekend- which I think is when it comes out. But next year, we are all together in IMAX watching Tom Cruise back on screen in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 with the fingers crossed, and and I think it's a slam doink at this point, the 120-day Tom Cruise window. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yep. I hope so. So, guys, I think we did it. We definitely did it. We definitely did it. So... Aaron Foley-Chan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. Anything that you want to promote, that you want the wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people to uh, follow you towards? Absolutely not. All right. Stay away, everyone. Stay, yeah, hell away. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, that's... Respectful distance. Yeah, yeah. Don't even wave. Don't say hi. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, though, say hi to us. Email the B.O. boys at... The B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear what you thought of this movie, of the opening weekend. I'm getting a little bit lost in the timeline. This is Wednesday now. So if you email us now, you'll be talking about our episode on Monday. Let us know how much you love that episode where we talked about what Top Gun Maverick made. Email us, the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. And of course, five stars, rate and review. Apple Podcasts is the most important one. The other ones, I guess, do it if you have to, but Apple Podcasts is really where it's at. Yeah, it's a gold standard. Um, And I don't think there's anything left to say. No. Except for, let's do it fast. All right. Until next time. We'll smell you at the box office. Nailed it.